Super Talk Mississippi media production. Specializing in Ford, Nissan, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Rams. CorinthAutoGroup.com and FordOfCorinth.com, where cars and happy drivers meet. Visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. And join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and today i am on location at carter jewelers downtown jackson it is a black friday rhino is safe and sound back in super talk headquarters having made the trek early this morning from his home of tupelo we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music on this black friday y'all <laughs> it is indeed you know it turns out rhino most americans uh, do not know the origins of the term black uh, friday what's the truth I consumed a few articles on that, and there are lots of theories, shall we say, Uh, even going back to the panic of 1869. It turns out that several historical events were dubbed Black Friday, including that, and that was when the Grant administration, the Grant administration released a large supply of gold to to counter speculators trying to corner the market. Well, that's the official version. Uh, and then there's another uh, another meaning that's rooted in what was called National Hookie Day. Uh, and this is when a lot of folks, going back to the 50s, would uh, take off, just skip work. So they'd have a four-day weekend, Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, and then the following day, so-called Black Friday, and then throughout the weekend, Friday after Thanksgiving-itis is what they called it. It's a disease second only to the bubonic plague and its effects. But back in the 50s, Black Friday was kind of the equivalent of the Monday after the Super Bowl when... The numerous uh, workers tend to call in sick on that Monday, and, of course, productivity tanks. Nobody really knew what to do about it. But I guess more on a more modern connotation, it's when the merchants at least attempt to get into the black. And normally uh, an old an old custom uh, in manual bookkeeping was to show profits in black ink, in losses in red ink. And so that's where the term black comes from. It's Black Friday, and it is expected that a lot of folks go out and shop, and they're buying, of course, for the Christmas giving season. And a lot of retailers 
do post their largest sales day of the year on the Black Friday, that day after Thanksgiving. Uh, and, and many retailers, of course, lose money for several months, if not all the months throughout the year, except for December and Black Friday through December, through the Christmas shopping holiday season. But uh, the term's kind of taken a life of his if it's own, uh, really going back to 1985, many historians say that um, that's when it started to really take hold back in the mid-80s. A department store chairman told the magazine The Inquirer back in 1985, quote, Black Friday is a phrase that's sinful and it's disgusting. Why would anyone call a day when everyone is happy and has smiles on their faces? Black Friday. I don't know if anybody thinks about that, but here we are. It's big old shopping day. Uh, I will say that just in cruising the streets this morning, I didn't find that the traffic was uh, too congested. Uh, it didn't look like the roadways were full of vehicles, but maybe it's a little early. I even passed in front of a Walmart expecting to see the the parking lot just flush with cars, and that was not the, the case. I know you traveled this morning. What time did you leave? I got up about 4.30ish, 4 and uh, I was on the road by 5.30ish. So, yeah, it was a nice, bright and early morning for me. And there was some traffic, but it wasn't until yeah. well after daylight that I saw more than one or two vehicles. Okay. Well, here at the store, downtown Jackson, Carter Jewelers, I can report that there are a number of, uh, of shoppers, a number of prospective customers that already inside the store, and um, looks like they're working with the staff here, making selections. Here comes some more. So, overall, looks like might be a good day here at Carter Jewelers. We certainly hope so. We want all businesses to, to flourish and thrive and, and do well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not like these leftists. I actually believe profit's a good thing. I don't consider that a dirty word. Some do in our society, unfortunately. Richard Cross will join uh, Middays at 1035. He, of course, is the host of Sports Talk Mississippi. He'll give us uh, his report from last night's Egg Bowl. Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers, at 1050. We're going to ask him if, if he's selling uh, the company. Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News it at 11.20. And then Mr. Lake again at 11.50. Natasha Sherdock, Sir Dutch, I think, Sir Dutch, pardon me, is the proper pronunciation. Co-host of America's Roundtable radio program, co-founder International Leaders Summit. will give us an update on the situation in Israel uh, um, uh, with the Hamas-Israeli ceasefire. Latest uh, on hostages being released, hopefully reunited with their family. Sadly, some of those hostages, even children, are going to be released into the traumatic discovery and learning of the loss of, of parents and loved ones. Very small children. Just absolutely uh, just despicable, um, insidious when you think about Hamas. It's just beyond me how we can have all these pro-Palestinian protests across this country, including disruption to yesterday's Macy's Thanksgiving parade, an annual event, supposed to be a joyous occasion, family fun. But no, these fools have to go out 
and spew their hate and their nonsense. All about attention, of course, as Rhino has so aptly explained on the program. It's just the dopamine effect. Hey, I may get on TV and be featured in social media and news articles and so forth. I noticed, Rhino, among the crowd were those holding signs blaming the situation on capitalism. Capitalism, you see, is what incited the Hamas terrorist to commit massacre of Israeli civilians. It's capitalism. It seems not only shame is dead, but also irony. Yeah. Let's protest capitalism at the Macy's Thanksgiving <laughs> exactly. Day Parade. Unbelievable. A store that's so successful they can put on a parade just for you to see. That is so true. That is a great observation. Didn't think about that, but absolutely makes sense. Uh, th these are just losers that uh, honestly uh, do not want to participate in our capitalistic system. You know, things like working hard and producing value for society as a way to earn a living and produce income and uh, achieve some economic means. Oh, no, we can't do it that way. I just want to just be lazy and uh, live a life where I just go out and protest all the time and let the government take care of me. Uh, that, that just seems to be a pervasive attitude, unfortunately, uh, in our country. This morning, Rhino, I was a guest. I'm working overtime today. I was a guest on Mr. Gallo's show discussing the plight of the public employees' retirement system. You guys know we published an article on that, had a good discussion with Mr. Gallo. It turns out there, Rhino, that there's a troll on Twitter. I, I know that's shocking that um, was coming after <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Gallo and you and me and all of us out there in the media world. But uh, this particular uh, troll made a statement that's completely false about uh, my thoughts on how to fix uh, and how to address the public employees' retirement system. You see, it's one of those situations where it's a person on the left. No, I know that's shocking. That uh, kind of forms their own conclusion about what uh, my thoughts are on ad on addressing uh, PERS, and, it, and it's always this this narrative that you you just want to you just want to convert the whole program to a defined a contribution plan, and and you don't really care about the commitments to the members of the public employees' retirement system to ensure that their benefits are paid. No, I, I didn't say that whatsoever. And, and this is a person who clearly did not bother to read the article to see what I think about the program and how to address it. But that doesn't matter, does it, Rhino? You just say whatever the hell you want. Make it kind of fit your little narrative and make you feel good about yourself. I got you on that one, but you're wrong, buddy. If the roles Show were reversed, they'd be accusing you of a straw man argument. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But we're apparently the side. left can't can't concoct a straw man. No, no, they're just the moral <laughs> arbiters of everything. <laughs> Unbelievable. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio at Carter Jewelers today. Stay with us. Days with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back, everyone. It's middays at Carter Jewelers today. It's Black Friday. I hope you had a fantastic, joyous, peaceful Thanksgiving. The Element Wealth Studio relocated to downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. Richard Cross, host of Sports Talk Mississippi, will join us in the next segment to share his thoughts on last night's Egg Bowl. I just want to pass on right now exactly what this fool said. Most of your solutions involve cutting state obligations and throwing state employees into a defined contribution plan. What you don't seem to realize, in parentheses, or are willing to admit, is that with few exceptions, state benefits make up for the crappy state salaries. Uh, no, you haven't read the article. That's clear. You just jump to conclusions. This is what you want me and others who seek to address this problem. This is what you want us to think because it fits your little leftist narrative. It's so sickening. I get so tired and, and just inflamed, honestly, that people just jump to conclusions and, and uh, sort of cast their own definition of you, us, and your views without doing any research. Clearly this person hasn't read the article, hasn't heard us discussing uh, the program. Otherwise they wouldn't have said such a stupid and incorrect, 100% false statement. Well, here's, here's a short exercise you can do. Does the person have a profile picture of their face? No. Then they're a coward, so that's step one. Does the person have any sizable number of followers? No. Then they're ignorant and have unpopular opinions. So they're cowardly, ignorant, and unpopular. I don't think they're really worth the time. Bad combination. In fact, seven followers. Oh, seven. round of applause. <laughs> they managed to find seven idiots to agree with them. <laughs> I, I'm happy to have a, a civil, meaningful, productive debate about the program. I want to fix it. I'm not looking to throw anybody anywhere. That's what they so desperately want to. Uh, to uh, to how how they want to define those of us on the right who just want to solve problems. That's all I'm looking for here. I wrote the article to call attention to the problem, and to float some possible uh, solutions. And I've made it very clear in the article that I think we're going to likely see a combination of the five options that that I cited that I suggested in the article. But it, this is a complex, difficult problem. And uh, but these people, this is what they think, uh, and they just go ahead and live your life in ignorance, unfortunately. But that's that's where we are. So this parade yesterday, the cops, uh, Sherry in Ruleville says the cops should have taken advantage of the parade. This is the Macy's parade. If you hadn't heard, pro Hamas, pro Palestinian protesters also mixed in. Rhino were climate change activists. I know you're shocked at that. Well, of course. And of course. <laughs> Yeah, anti-capitalist. It's like they just, they have to go wherever there's just some normalcy. They've got to disrupt it. Oh, it's it's good, wholesome families having a little fun at the Macy's Day Parade in a city that honestly has been plagued by crime and a lot of unhappiness and homelessness and uh, being overwhelmed with illegal migrants. It's causing huge problems in the city of New York. And these people have to show up at what maybe is some remaining vestige of just happiness and fun and show their butts 
you're achieving nothing. All you're doing is making people uh, hold you in even greater contempt, in my view. You're just causing people to dislike you even more. Uh, it's it's sickening. Uh, also had protests. Was it in Dublin? I think yesterday, Rhino, you see this. Um, uh, some of the folks were out there protesting in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, riots actually broke out after there was a stabbing attack. 100 people took to the streets and clashed with police. It was a knife attack at a school. Three children were injured. The Irish police said a man is 50 has been detained as a person of interest. So we'll see where that goes. The president announced something yesterday, honestly, that disturbed me deeply. It was day before yesterday, I think. And this is a proposal that targets early termination fees that are charged by cable companies um, and satellite companies if they cancel their services in the midst of the contract. And this is what Biden wrote on Twitter. Companies should lock you into, shouldn't, shouldn't, pardon me, lock you into services you don't want with large fees. It's unfair. Raises costs and stifles competition. We're doing something about it. That's what he wrote. Now, you may not like the junk fees. I, those aren't even junk fees. Early termination fees. You may consider those junk fees. You may think those are unfair. But you've signed a contract. You've got choices. There are multiple options now for television services. You've got options. If you don't like the early termination fees, don't sign up for the service. I can also tell you, as, as one who is in the business of, of providing contractual-based, subscription-based services, there's a, a fair amount involved in provisioning those services. And that's why there's an early termination fee is, is because if, you, if we go spend a lot of money provisioning your services and then you cancel in the midst of the contract, we lost money. These companies lost money. Now, I'm not saying that happens in every single case, but it's built into their model. So if you restrict them and prohibit them from doing that, they're going to get their money elsewhere. But more importantly, this is not a matter for the federal government. This is intervening in the market. This is the federal government's hubris where Biden and company think they can better manage the $23 trillion economy than can the market. So today it's, it's um, cable companies and satellite providers. Who's next? What business are you in where the government just shows up and inserts themselves and says, I don't like the way you charge. I, I don't like your way of doing business. I don't like your business model. It could be anything. And they just decide in the interest of the consumer, they're just going to you know, implement some sort of rule that prohibits you from operating your business as you see fit. The market will send a signal. If it doesn't like that, well, it won't subscribe to your services. That's the way it should be. But this is Biden, I think, trying to divert attention away from the true economic problem Americans are facing, which is rampant inflation. 
and uh, and they remember honestly before he took office the, the price of things, and and they remember how much better their household finances were. And this is Biden, I think, trying to do something to offset the uh, the pain, the economic pain that has been inflicted on Americans because of his policies. Hey, we're going to just got to go pass some rules here, implement some rules. Uh, and this is under the FCC, by the way, because the FCC regulates cable companies and and uh, satellite providers. So they're just going to order the FCC to put some rules in place that uh, would no longer allow them to charge early termination fees. They're going to be voting on this, by the way, on December the 13th. Same thing with net neutrality. We they got to they got to just insert themselves in the middle of that uh, internet provisioning services and put their grubby hands on it and guarantee you it's going to screw stuff up. Guarantee. Never produces the outcome. Always uh, ends up producing unintended consequences. And uh, But this is government. Uh, it, I think uh, overreaching and inserting themselves in an area that they should not be in. And I, I worry about it because this is just the beginning. Today it's cable companies and satellite television providers, services providers. Who is it next? Who is it next that they're coming after? Government meandering into areas that they should not be involved in, and that, that uh, is a problem. Robert Wright, we talk about him a lot. I follow him faithfully on social media because I think it does give a good... Uh, a, a good glimpse of what the left in this country thinks. He says, if inflation comes up at the dinner table, this was yesterday, don't forget to draw attention to the deeper driver of inflation, the concentration of the American economy in the hands of a few corporate giants with the power to raise prices even as they rake in record profits. Let's be honest. The left loathes profit. They really don't want any company to make a profit. In fact, they want to nationalize the entire American economy and assert 100% total control over it with fools like Robert Wright sitting at the top of the org chart. That literally is what they think. They cannot stand profit. They cannot stand free markets. Unbelievable. I ask you, Mr. Wright, why didn't these companies seize on that leverage before Biden was elected during the Trump administration? You said nothing about it then when inflation was 1%. Now you have a good one. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We're live today at Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. We're seeing lots of prospective customers walk in the store, and lots of them walk out with a bag. So that's a good thing. We welcome to the program now Richard Cross, host of Sports Talk Mississippi. What's going on there, Richard? Gerard, I wonder what it would be, uh, what it would have been like to wake up this morning with the team that you follow having not won the Egg Bowl. I, I wouldn't know that feeling, but I'm sure there's some that do. 
<laughs> oh, goodness. Good morning. Good morning. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, what a weird game last night, but uh, a great win for Ole Miss to cap a 10-win regular season. Yeah, I mean, you still have to take uh, take some consolation in the fact and recognize that it, it was a very successful season when you consider um, who the, the uh, two losses were to, especially – um, very, very good football teams at the top of the echelon there. So I think it's fair to say that Ole Miss kind of surprised in that they took care of who they should take care of. I'm not sure I can remember another season like that in some time, Richard, where, okay, if you looked at the schedule uh, before they ever suited up, this is who they ought to win uh, against, and here's who they likely could lose to. I felt like that's what happened. But man, after the first half, it was uh, the score looked like a baseball score. Top top of the fifth there, three to nothing. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I mean, uh, Ole Miss just kind of took care of business throughout the uh, the course of the season. But but here's the thing, and I feel like because you know, Egg Bowl a little low scoring, you know, ho hum performance against ULM, lost Georgia the week before that. I feel like there's almost like, people are not giving enough credit where it's due here. Ole Miss just yeah. won 10 football games in the regular season, and if they win their bowl game, they will win 11 games in a season for the first time ever. And people go, yep. well, the schedule this year. Shut up for a second, okay? Because there have been schedules in the past that, to your point just a second ago, have dropped games that you weren't expected to win. I mean, think about 2003, um, Eli Manning's senior year. That Ole Miss team lost to Memphis and to Texas Tech in the regular yeah. season. And it's considered to be one of the you know most fun teams ever because you know, they got hot down the stretch and they had the win at Auburn and they had the big game against Dillon. They went 9-3 and three in the regular season and won the Cotton Bowl with, with, with 10 wins. This team already has 10 the second time in three years that they've done it. So, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have to apologize for it to anybody for how it looked or whether or not the schedule was difficult or the fact that they lost to Alabama Georgia. This was a really good season. And, frankly, outside of the most ardent supporters, nobody was predicting this team to win 10 games this year. Almost everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's probably an 8-4 and four team. Yeah, and, no, t- and, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess you know how fans are, though. <laughs> we among them, you, you start setting a level of expectation, right? And then that expectation kind of seeps in, and that's where you are. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know, expecting to win, expecting excellence is not a bad thing. But as you point out, if you just look at the, at the history of the program, what an achievement, what an accomplishment that we, that we have to recognize, I, I think, Maybe the attitude would be a little different today in the wake of the Egg Bowl, Richard, to get your take on this, had the game been more in favor of Ole Miss. But it was not. I mean, it was down to, what, about eight minutes left when maybe six minutes you felt like, well, maybe they can pull this thing out. Yeah. No, there's something to that. I I, I get that, the flow of the game and the fact that it was a down Mississippi State team. There are a lot of people that – um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was like, oh, this Ole Miss team's gonna—they're gonna go in and you know win by four touchdowns, win by five touchdowns. Yep. The odd makers had odds makers had it a ten, ten and a half point game all week long. 
once again, we're reminded that they are uh, really smart people that are really good yep. at their jobs, or at least they've got great computer programmers that build uh, smart <laughs> algorithms, what, whatever right. whatever the result is. But the fact is this Ole Miss team has been banged up on the offensive line for the last three, four weeks of the season. Jackson Dart is nowhere close to 100%. I mean, you, you, you can't watch him play when you've watched him play healthy and go, oh, yeah, that's the same guy. Uh, and yeah. so that, I thought it was a pretty gutsy performance, and it was a really, um, in my mind, impressive performance by, by Quinshawn Judkins. I actually thought, and I know there's some people that have kind of knocked the offensive line for what they did a little bit. I thought they got into a pretty good rhythm and run blocking in the second half. And it was it was kind of one of those deals where you were watching, like, are they ever going to throw it again? But there was a lot of confidence in the run game, and they just kept pounding it and kept ripping off four, five, eight, twelve yards of carry. And there wasn't a whole lot of reason. And, and at that point, in a game like that, the clock becomes your friend. Like, we have to remind ourselves that that's what football used to be. Play good defense, run the ball, throw it a little bit, and, you know, you're trying to run time off the clock. And it was kind of the game plan that Ole Miss went with last night, and, and ultimately it worked. So true. I mean, so, some have suggested, hey, Ole Miss, if they went after it, probably could have put up another touchdown in that final drive. But that wasn't the goal. As you indicated, the goal was to move the sticks and run the yeah. clock out, and that's exactly what they were doing. And they weren't going to put the ball up and, and risk an interception and stopping of the clock. I, I think that was a wise game plan. But, the, but to that end, though, Richard, where was Trey Harris and Jordan Watkins? Well, I think it's got as much to do with – now, give credit to Mississippi State's secondary. That has been a maligned unit this year. I thought they played better last night. But I think it's got a significant amount to do with kind of Jackson Dart's whatever his, his issues are in terms of, of health and delivering the ball on time. And it banged up ankle and banged up shoulder and took a really big shot that game last night. And I think they just decided to, to go ultimately with, with what works. Um, you know, Gerard, you, you said something a second ago about expectations. Yeah. And when, when I was like, hey, this Ole Miss team really good, wins 10 games, I has, have zero issue, no issue whatsoever with elevated expectations now for Ole Miss football. And here's why. Ole Miss has made a commitment to pay its head coach and its assistant coaches at a top 10 level. I mean, Lane Kiffin's making nine – He's going to make $9.5 million this year when all the bonuses play out, maybe even close to 10 yeah. That's top eight money nationally. I'm not saying you got to have top five results, but it is seven and five is not acceptable if you're going to invest at that level. So I get people with the elevated expectations. And then the other thing is, if this were a year from now, we would all be sitting on pins and needles wondering if Ole Miss was one of the 12 teams that was going to be part of the college football playoff. That's, 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 good point. that's one year from right now. That's the debate. If we've got a nine or a ten win team in the state of Mississippi, did they do enough to get in the college football playoff? No, I to- I totally agree. And you know, you make a good point that uh, I think has to be considered in this era of NIL and high paying coaches and high paid coaches and so forth. Which is, people do start to take a look at. Well, let's see. I'm paying this much. This is what we expect. That's got to translate to uh, W's on the field. And in the case of uh, recently ousted Jimbo Fisher, it wasn't. And they said, right. okay, for that amount of money, I think we get somebody that can perform better on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, the the game has changed in that sense. There, there are a lot of people that, you know, 
Well, you've, you've got to be patient. You've got to give a coach time. Well, yeah, yeah, I understand that, you know, in some situations. But the expectation for results is faster than it ever has been. But the compensation is, too. And so if you're going to pay at that level and expecting results at that level, I think is perfectly acceptable in the same yeah. way that I, I we don't do this on, on our show. But if you took the route of you really want to be critical of players and call them by name and call them out for poor performances, I wouldn't have a problem with that. It's much more of a pro mindset way of covering things. If you want, if you, you know, listen to coverage of professional sports teams, they're a lot harder on individual players and not worried. And in the past, we've kind of played that with kid gloves. Like, well, you don't want to call a kid out. Well, is the kid making two hundred thousand dollars a year on an NIL deal? Oh, okay. Then, what, where's that money from, coming from? That's crazy. Uh, you know, okay. You've opened yourself up to criticism now, so it's a yeah. it's a weird dynamic Fair game. right now in college athletics. Agree. Uh, all right, before we go here, what uh, what is your expectation with respect to Jackson Dart and Will Rogers staying where they are or leaving? Uh, I expect Jackson Dart to be back at Ole Miss. There's been a bunch of reporting this morning that Will Rogers is expected to enter the transfer portal, and if you listen to Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, all of those reports are about six months behind Brian Haydad, who uh, has been saying all season long that this will be uh, Will Rogers' last year at Mississippi State. So I uh, would anticipate that news to become official in the next few days, or at least as official as it does. Um, yeah. Matt, Matt Zenith is a guy that covers it really, really closely and has access to the transfer portal and has, has put out this morning that uh, he expected that to happen pretty quickly. Interesting, and, and that's uh... – uh, also interesting uh, along the lines that Rogers last night was kind of making an appeal for the next coach in Mississippi State as well. But, Rich, appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. Good job, as always. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Gerard. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk soon. You too, buddy. We're coming back, folks, with Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. And we are at Carter Jewelers today, downtown Jackson on High Street. It's Black Friday. We welcome to the program Mr. Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Dealers. All right, Jerry, tell us what's going on today other than this store is uh, full of people that look like they're buying stuff. That's always good, isn't it? <laughs> and, and a lot of them leave with packaging and smile. I, I guarantee you. Well, that's what you want. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, after uh, Gerard, after 49 years, I'm, I'm uh I am retiring. This will be the last Christmas uh, that I'll be owner of uh, two jewelry stores, uh, Carter Jewelers in Jackson and in Vicksburg. I have, you know, I'm under contract to sell both stores. It does not include the inventories. I am, uh, I will liquidate these both stores' inventories in the entirety. Okay. Uh, And it's, uh, 
it's a lot of uh, product, a lot of gorgeous jewelry to uh, sell off, and and uh, we have uh, we've marked these these prices down. I was just a few minutes ago showing a pendant to somebody, and it was already just a crazy price. And then then you figure that with the increase in the price of gold. You know, diamonds, and the the chain with the pendant was, they would pay more for the chain almost than the whole piece. And if it if that piece were at Tiffany's, it would be three thousand dollars, and it, we're selling it for two hundred and fifty. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, almost there's almost nothing in here the way we've got it priced at current gold and diamond prices. Uh, that that we can even repurchase for the prices we're selling that. But you know, when you've got a when you've got a uh, insanely large, massive inventory, you know that's what it takes sometimes to, to, uh, you know, to liquidate a, uh, inventories this this of this magnitude. Well, uh, I noticed the store; uh, all the cases are, are packed with merchandise. Uh, it, 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 do you go out and buy additional product anticipating higher demand no, for the Christmas season? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. I mean, there, there were some things that we bought way early on. Yeah. And I I, I work with, uh, uh, there is several manufacturers. One in particular I think is the best in the world. And they produce a lot of uh, jewelry for us that is, it's one of a kind, that jewelry that actually I designed. And uh, it's uh, proprietary styles, hmm. and it takes, you know, we, we send them the, the, the diamonds. I'm extremely picky about exactly the way I, what I want in there, and I send them the centers. And, uh, and anyway, it's, it's sometimes it, it takes a while to produce this, these styles, and uh, those, those had to be done in advance. But, and you know, honestly, it, it's my... My son, who's buying this store, and Ginger, Ginger Richards over in Vicksburg, she's uh, she's worked there for me. You know, she over 30 years. She's just like a daughter, and they wanted to buy the stores outright, but with the amount of inventory that you know that we had at, at current interest rates, yeah. earlier on it might have worked, but uh, with the interest rates and the banks wanting their money not on a you know, not like you're buying a house or something. Uh, Fifteen, thirty years. I mean, it's it. It was the payments were just way too high, and they and then we talked about running a real aggressive sale, and they would just take the inventory that's left over. They were they were actually not wanting to publicize that I was not the owner of the hmm. the, the businesses. Uh, I guess I guess they think there's some goodwill with uh, my. My association, and you know what, I'm still going to work for them as a consultant, and and I'm, a, I have an advertising agency, and uh, you know, and, the, and and I'll help them with their buying. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave them uh, in a lurch for anything. It's sure. it's going to be a transition that's going to work, but in the meantime, I've got zillions of dollars worth of <laughs> fine jewelry that I'm that I'm going to. I'm gonna. We're gonna try to sell as much as we can over the counter, and it's to my advantage and our customers' advantage to take to take advantage of these, uh, you know, of these low prices and the quality. Let me tell you, almost everything in here is heirloom type quality, and and the engagement rings that I have made, they're 
You can go to the best brands there are, and, and honestly, everything we do about and have made, those brands you pay way more money, and the quality is nowhere near what I've had built in in these styles and they're they're all one of a kind type styles and, no, and they don't they don't make them or sell them for, to anybody gotcha. else anyway what, all right what that, we got to go but yeah, what, yeah. Are, what are today's hours uh we're today's hours are uh we're going to be here till six and uh you know it's uh which is uh that's plenty of time to, yeah. to get in it's okay. uh and it's let me tell you i, I don't know is this statewide it is broadcast? statewide yeah it, let me tell you, Gerard, it, I don't know where you are, but if you got time to get over here and you think fine jewelry might be of interest, you should head over to Carter Jewelers, put it in your GPS downtown or Vicksburg. There you go. And uh, anyway, good to see you, right, old buddy. Good to see you, too. And, uh, we'll see you again in the next hour. Jerry okay. Lake, All right, thanks, Carter Gerard. Jewelers. Time for Fox News, Super Talk News. We're coming right back, folks. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays. We are live today at Carter Jewelers on this Black Friday, y'all. <laughs> Indeed it is on the C Spire text line. Hey, Dad suckered Richard into 4.5 points for a steak dinner. Winner, Ole Miss, loser, Mr. Cross. Uh, Richard was certainly right about one thing, Rhino. Those odds makers are pretty good at what they do. <laughs> Wouldn't you say? They, uh, they don't lose too often or call it wrong too often on that deal. It is uh, totally amazing. Uh, hey, Dad, you remember when he was on the program Wednesday? He predicted that Ole Miss would just dominate, run away with the game. But that certainly was not the case. I don't know that I've seen that many punts in a football game in the modern era in quite some time. Football has become so much more of an offensive game, especially at the, at the college level, for sure. It's what people want to see. Uh, lots of scoring. And that didn't happen last night. It was uh, not a lot of uh, – in fact, there wasn't a lot of play – uh, on the offenses, uh, most of the play, I should say, it was on the offenses side of the field. There wasn't a lot of uh, situations where the line of scrimmage was in the opponent's side of the football field, and, and thus the very low score. But nonetheless, it is in the books. It, it, uh, there was something rather curious, and that is in the entrance of Mississippi State head coach Greg Knox. He came out on a four-wheeler. Did you guys see that? And it really wasn't clear the connection when he was interviewing, being interviewed, I should say, by the ESPN reporter, mobile journalist uh, that covers the games from the sideline, caught up with uh, Coach Knox just as they were coming out on the portal. The game, uh, pardon me, the team gathered behind him and he on a four-wheeler. And he said uh, in the interview, he said, this is about handling adversity, opposition. When you face things that are tough in life, this is a life lesson. And this, what we learned in the 11 days I have been here. 
this is a life lesson. And it turns out that we have since learned that the connection there is to former Tennessee player Inky Johnson. In a video clip, Mr. Johnson, whose career ended back in the mid-2000s from an injury that paralyzed his arm on a permanent basis. And he discussed, did Mr. Johnson, an experience when he and his son fell off of a four-wheeler. Said that rather than that upending his life, he encouraged his son to get back on the four-wheeler and keep riding. So it's somewhat symbolic of, I guess you could say, perseverance and commitment and working towards goals. And so Coach Knox decided to use the four-wheeler to symbolize that. Interesting. I didn't know that last night. I, I didn't get the connection. You know, I understood certainly the uh, the statements he was making in, in the interview when he was in the portal just before they entered the field there about handling adversity. Uh, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I just didn't get the connection of the four-wheeler, but that's the story. Now we know. Let's see. But, oh, uh, I guess Richard owes, hey, Dad, a steak dinner, however. Uh, Randy and Starkville on the ceasefire text line says, if you still believe what the mainstream medium tell, media tells you, raise your hand now slap yourself with it. <laughs> Dan in Hattiesburg says, uh, Rhino, I guess climate change got the Barney float back in 1997. Talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving parade yesterday, if you haven't heard, folks. Uh, numerous uh, social justice activists took to the streets to disrupt the flow of the parade, including pro-Palestinian protesters and climate activists, anti-capitalists, etc. Unbelievable. Let's see. Ben says, Gerard, what was the reaction been like? Uh, what has it been like from your PERS article from lawmakers around the states? Good question, Ben. I can report that um, not many lawmakers have actually have weighed in with me on it. Uh, I have had conversations. I can report with two, two uh, rather um, involved conversations, shall we say, and, and these would be high-ranking people uh, in the lawmaking capacity in the state of Mississippi. I think, Ben, though, and I, I'm not going to be critical of any lawmakers here for, for not going public or reaching out to me with any kind of uh, response here. I, I think they're in a mode where they're going to wait to get back in the Capitol and see what uh, what plans leadership has in the respective chambers uh, to address this issue? It's something that um, that they're going to have to study and uh, become informed about. Uh, it is complicated. It's it does involve a whole lot of numbers and honestly, actuarial science unto itself is just a complex. Uh, field and a complex endeavor, and that's what's involved here. So I think we're going to see a lot of response, Ben, once they get uh, back into session. I think we'll see a lot of activity. I don't want to say response, but I think we're going to see a lot of activity and discussion 
uh, in the Capitol and certainly among the PERS board, although they've been talking about it quite a bit, and they have have certainly made some proposals and suggestions uh, to the legislature on how to address this issue. But we gotta uh, we got to underpin it with fact. That's what's most important. When you get these fools out there, as we talked about earlier, out in the social media universe just looking for a little attention and fame, that starts spewing all this nonsense, that's really not moving the needle. It's not helping the cause. It's not addressing the issue. But we're going to have to. And I think that our lawmakers know that. I think our state leadership knows that. We'll see what happens there. Uh, just found out that Hamas apparently has released as many as 24 hostages, which includes... Thais, Thai nationals and Israelis kidnapped in the Hamas assault on Israel, which occurred on October 7th. Right now, we're in a four-day ceasefire. There are dozens of trucks carrying aid, including fuel. I see lots of Red Cross vehicles as well in Gaza that are conducting... The uh, the uh, overseeing, I should say, the return of the hostages and getting them back to Egypt, it looks like, before they are moved to Israel. They're going to Egypt for medical care as part of a prisoner exchange. It is expected that Israel will release 39 Palestinian prisoners and detainees as part of the agreement with Hamas where they are releasing hostages. You know, some believe that's a bad deal for Israel. You're, you're getting back hostages, and, uh, and I think they're willing to do almost anything, honestly, to make that happen, to um, get these civilians out of the hands, out of the control of uh, Hamas terrorists. But they're giving up Palestinian fighters to accomplish that. Some 240 were abducted in Gaza, um, and one of those is a girl who turned four on Friday. Her parents were were massacred in the Hamas attacks. I mean, it's incredibly, incredibly sad and just gut and heart-wrenching, honestly. Qatar said that 39 Palestinians jailed in Israel, including 24 women and 15 teenage males, were freed today. Today is part of the exchange. So that's what's happening today. In the meantime, you probably have seen that Israel has indicated that they will resume the war once the ceasefire lifts, that they're not through. I, I think they're committed to total destruction of Hamas, and I'm not sure that there's any option. I don't think these people are done. I don't think they're going to magically just say, okay, Israel, you guys put up a good fight here. You clearly uh, have a formidable military. We're just going to back off and just and just uh, change our course here. I don't see that happening. I think I think Israel knows that, and I, and I think they've got to do what they got to do to make sure this kind of kind of tragedy doesn't happen again where Hamas terrorists just attack innocent civilians and commit all kinds of heinous, atrocious crimes against them.
killing, harming them, beheading them, slaying them like animals. Unbelievable. We're stepping aside for a break right now. The Element Well Studio at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist with Super Talk Mississippi News, is next. Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We're live today in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. It's Black Friday. We welcome to midday's Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. Good morning, guys. How are you? All right, Kelly. Good to have you with us today. Tell us what uh, the news department's been working on this week. Well, I just first want to say I'm glad we're not on camera today because I feel like I'm twice as big as I was two days ago. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's feeling that way, but anyway. Uh, it, you know, it, we've had uh, police looking for a suspect in this Tunica County murder, and they brought in somebody this week, an 18-year-old being charged with capital murder in connection with a shooting and crash that left three people dead in Tunica County. His name is Deontay Taylor. He's facing three counts of capital murder, four counts of shooting into a motor vehicle, and four counts of conspiracy to commit a crime. If you'll remember, three people were found deceased in a wrecked vehicle on Casino Center Drive November 10th. The bullet-riddled car had been burned. The victims were identified as Stephen Burtz, Deshaun Isabel, and Tadequa Moore. The sheriff's office found out that Moore had been pregnant at the time of her death, and that's what prompted them to seek capital murder charges. So Taylor is now being held in the Tunica County Jail without bond, and the investigation is ongoing. They're saying they're expecting to make more arrests in this case. And it's just, it's another story where you see an 18-year-old or a 15-year-old or, you know, it seems like criminals are getting younger and younger, and it's just heartbreaking yeah you're right there's stories from across the country about uh youngsters involved in such heinous atrocities it's it's mind-blowing i i I can't comprehend you know a a 11 12 year old kid murdering another human Uh, it's just uh unfathomable what else is happening out something this week that I didn't know, and it's not something you necessarily want to hear, but get this. The yeah. number of cardiac deaths is higher on December 25th than any other day of the year. It's second highest December 26th and third highest on January 1st. I'm kind of chuckling, but it's not really funny. Apparently, the increased risk is due to holiday stress, folks skipping medications, dietary mistakes, Thanksgiving, anyone. 
Overexertion and drinking large amounts of alcohol also contribute to the risk. And symptoms of a cardiac emergency would include pain in the chest or jaw and down the arm, shortness of breath, weakness, dizziness, or nausea. Women are more likely than men to feel pain in the arms, back, neck, or jaw, stomach pain, and extreme tiredness. So just some symptoms to look out for. And please, you know, take extra care. During the holidays, you tend to get super busy and forget to do the normal things you do, skip workouts, that kind of stuff. But I just thought I'd give everybody a heads up on that. Wow, that's interesting. I, um, I I hadn't heard that, but that that seems to refute this narrative we hear regularly. Whenever we change the clocks in the spring and the fall, that that uh, that's what causes all sorts of cardiac problems. And I'm not laughing at it, but I, I'm I've never been able to I guess wrap my head around that idea. Whether or not the time change is is causing that problem. What you just described with respect to the holidays honestly makes more sense to me. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, We have another report this morning, and unfortunately this happens in a lot of different places, and it's scam season. I'm just going to call it scam season. Uh, The Lauderdale County Sheriff's Department issued a scam warning this morning. Someone has been calling residents, they claim to be with the sheriff's office, and they'll tell you you owe old fines or a fine for not showing up in court or, you know, they'll come up with some bogus thing and claim that if you don't arrange a payment over the phone, you'll be arrested. And obviously that's scary to people, but if you receive a call like this, it is not the sheriff's department. Sheriff's departments do not do this kind of thing. And I've been doing news for so long, Gerard, 30-plus years, that when it comes to a lot of the scam stuff, I just assume everybody already knows, but they really don't. I mean, this is new to a lot of people, so just hang up is the best thing to do. And then if you really want to follow up, you can call your local police department and report it. Yeah, well, I think the the way to to look at it, the way I always have is, um, having been in the cybersecurity business, is if it didn't work, they wouldn't be doing it. So somebody's falling for it, unfortunately, and and they're getting sucked into the scams, and it's costing them, and and the bad guys know that. So if they try a thousand and it and it hooks one, you know, they achieve their their goal there. But uh, it's good good information to be aware of that kind of crazy stuff. Um, and to, to note that it's a scam. Yeah, and, you know, and what I really hate is a lot of these scammers will target the elderly. I can't tell you how many times my 81-year-old dad has had his identity stolen, and he has to go yeah. through the headache to get everything back online. But he'll show me emails and go, Kelly, what is this? And it's emails that are, are scams, you know, and they're obvious scams to me, but to him, he's like, what? What's going on? So keep an eye on your on your elderly friends and family members this holiday season, too, and just yeah. kind of make sure they're not falling prey to any of this kind of stuff. Another scam, it was interesting. I can't remember if John O'Hara was on your show or on the Gallo show earlier this week, but he says another big scam that's being perpetrated right now involves the gift cards that you buy at the store. Mm-hmm. And it's everybody's favorite gift, right? Get a gift card, and the person you're giving it to can get whatever they want with it. And it's just kind of a uh, – it, it's a great gift. But what happens is 
these thieves will actually stand in the lines at the stores where they're selling these gift cards. They'll take pictures of the number that's on the card, and then they'll go ahead and activate it. And then somebody comes in later and buys that card. And once they start the process of actually activating that card, now the thief has your money. Um, And so what he suggested was to look and make sure that nobody's tampered with the card before you buy it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the bad guys are really smart, and uh, they're very creative and innovative, and they come up with all sorts of ways to hook people into into these uh, these bad acts that end up costing folks money. It's it's terrible, and we just have to be on the lookout for it. What uh, what are you guys looking at uh, for next week in the news? Anything in particular? Uh, well, next week we've got some fun stuff going on. Like, I'm working this up for Monday already, but uh, coming up next Thursday, the city of Biloxi is going to have the lighthouse lighting, and I think that kicks off at 5 30 i believe let me see yeah it kicks off 5 30 to 7 uh you'll have an opportunity to join the mayor out there and his wife and they light the lighthouse and they have hot chocolate and cookies it's kind of a fun event and then the Alexi visitor center has christmas shirts and ornaments available for purchase so it's just kind of a big coast thing uh i don't know if you heard this but you know everybody loves chapel heart they made a name for themselves on america's got talent they're going to be performing at Ground Zero Blues Club in Biloxi at 7 p.m. on March 2nd. Tickets are already on sale for that. You can look it up at supertalk.fm later if you want to get tickets. But I just recently went to Ground Zero Biloxi for the first time, and that place is so amazing, Gerard. I had been to the one in, it's in Cleveland, right? The first one, I believe. Um, yep. That's right. You know, Morgan, Morgan Freeman is behind it. It yep. is so cool. I mean, there's not a bad seat in the house. And they serve the most amazing, like, soul food, like collard greens and black-eyed peas. And their pulled pork was absolutely delicious. And it was just a really cool place. I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, Clarksdale. Clarksdale. Um, Morgan Freeman who uh, was involved in that. Also, I think uh, Bill Luckett, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was right. once the mayor of Clarksdale and also ran for governor. I believe he passed away a few years ago. Um, they were partners in that deal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Uh, a yeah, lot of stuff really going cool. on for sure. What What are you hearing about uh, from across the state with respect to holiday shopping? And uh, we got about 10 seconds left, 20 seconds. Anything you're hearing on that? seems like the whole Black Friday thing, the crowds aren't as big as they used to be due to the advent of online shopping. So I actually work right next to a big shopping center, and I'm not seeing huge crowds this morning, but, you know, that could change. Maybe people are sleeping in. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I kind of noticed the same, but I tell you, the store here, Carter Jewelers, we're broadcasting from today. It's packed. I don't know that I've ever seen this many people uh, in the store and all the remotes we've done here. Kelly, appreciate you calling in and giving us an update, and uh, you have a a great week. We'll be talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Coming right back, folks, in the Element Well Studio today at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson.
on Super Talk Mississippi. The year was 1976, Boston, the artist, Boston, the name of the album with the iconic guitar upside down on the album cover, uh, looks like a flying saucer coming in with fire coming out of the bottom of it, uh, really creative, appreciate that, uh, Rhino, we are down at Carter Jewelers today in downtown Jackson, it is Black Friday. Let's see, I saw a report this morning, Rhino, about how folks intend to shop. 58% said they're going to do some online shopping. 49% department store. 48% a discount store. 24% say small business. That's kind of interesting. But that uh, it's not a whole lot different than the last few years. This is from the National Retail Foundation slash Prosper Insights and Analytics. It's their data, their uh, research to that effect. Also, a recent poll conducted uh, across 1,100 and change registered voters. Do you think the American dream still holds true? Never held true or once held true, but not now. Still holds true? Only 36%. Once held true, but not anymore? 45%. I think the challenge with such a question and such a poll is how do folks define the American dream? I don't know that there's a consensus on that, and I think that it's been somewhat of a moving target through the years, and I also think that we got uh, generations with us today that have been educated by those who have disdain for this country and deep contempt for it, don't believe in the concept of the American dream and have, um, have spewed this propaganda that you're just entitled to anything and everything you want and you shouldn't have to work for it. You, you should have it immediately. There should be no delay. The so-called delayed gratification is just these, these concepts of working hard, taking risk, treating others with respect, etc that is, have been the principles that have strengthened this nation and produced this great country and uh, honestly all the wealth that we enjoy and the quality of life that we enjoy still exceeding that of any other country but that's not what they're being told in the schools and we've talked a lot Rhino about uh, what's going on in Mississippi schools because we share lots of reports that we come across from uh, other parts of the country in K-12 schools and also in uh, higher education where it's really incredible. But I, I learned yesterday from a teacher at a local a Central Mississippi school that um, there is a Palestinian teacher, one that has a, a Palestinian nationality teaching in Mississippi public schools that is absolutely towing the anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian line. And they have the right to do that. I don't believe they should express those views 
in the classroom. And when they do, and this is exactly what's happening here, I've learned that now students, talking about high school students, are following the tweets of this teacher and reposting and adding their own commentary, their own analysis, as limited as, limited as it might be. Nonetheless, they're, they've totally bought in to what this teacher's peddling, that Hamas and Palestinian are the true true victims here, Palestine are the true victims here, and Israel are the aggressors. And they're the one that the ones who are wielding all the carnage. It's completely untrue. The facts say different. But this is a problem in our country. I also learned at this same school there is a teacher who regularly wears a, a, a button very conspicuously attached to their clothing that features a photo of Vice President Kamala Harris on it. I don't know. Is that appropriate? Do, do we have to dig into these issues? And if we do, should we present both sides of political issues, political debate, and let the kids decide for themselves rather than the teachers providing their slant and attempting to foist their worldview on kids. I, I don't agree with that. I, I'm perfectly fine with presenting multiple points of view and encouraging kids to think through all the issues and let them make their own decision, but I'm not okay with teachers at any level. Uh, uh, again, almost demanding, insisting that the kids accept their worldview and adopt it. I think that's wrong. And I don't think it should be happening. And I think it's bad for the future of the country when that sort of stuff's going on. And it's, I think, explains why the streets are so full of young people protesting against Israel and in favor of Hamas. Did they buy or are they chasing extra credit in an easy A, says Thomas and Greenwood. I'm not sure, Thomas. I don't have any knowledge or any information about that, although I have, with respect to these high schools I'm talking about, I have heard that there are situations in the college realm in Mississippi where students are, in fact, afraid of expressing their views that it might affect their grading. I've heard students say that out of their own mouths, that it absolutely affected them. And that is unacceptable. That should never happen. But yet, Think about it. It's those very people who constantly proclaim that those on the right are the fascists. Yet they're the exact one engaging in fascist activity. It's just incredible. It's classic projection, I guess is what you'd have to call it. Uh, but we, we've got to get back to debating the facts. And I think that impressionable students should be availed of all the various points of view. Let them make their own mind up. Teach them critical thinking skills. You can guide them, but you shouldn't you shouldn't just be filling them up with a bunch of propaganda. I find that to be a huge problem. Speaking of a problem, well, guess what's around the corner again, something we've talked about, and that's the whole federal government funding now we're hearing that there is a push to create a so-called fiscal commission.
to force the Congress to tackle this unsustainable debt trajectory. Mike Johnson, of course, Speaker of the House, he is a proponent of such a fiscal commission, but not really sure they can get the votes they need. And there is somewhat of a bipartisan um, group of support here. The problem is, <laughs> you just know this is what's going to happen. The Republicans are going to call for spending cuts as a way to address this problem. And the Democrats are going to call for higher taxes. And I don't think we're going to get any happy medium on that. I, there's just there's no alignment. There's no intersection. There's no overlap. But that's exactly what's going to happen. And in fact, I, I caught an article a couple of days ago talking about the nation's debt now at $33 trillion. And uh, in this article, this was in The Hill, published in The Hill, a, a widely read digital publication that deals with uh, political matters and and uh, events uh, in the nation's capital, activities in the nation's capital. They go on to say that the major cause behind growing debt has been repeated tax cuts, costing us nearly $10 trillion since 2001. Well, that, the problem in that argument is that that's highly speculative as to what the actual tax cuts cost. It's just a guess, because those guesses assume, well, if you just keep everything exactly the same and you just cut, well, yeah, from a strict math perspective, that may be the, the mathematical result. But that, that fails to consider just a myriad of economic factors as to w what tax cuts produced. Because right now, we're producing record revenues under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the so-called Trump tax cuts, record revenues, but we still spend more than we take in. The revenues have never been, as we've said so many times, front and center in any debate about how much to spend. But it's just unbelievable how they're they're promoting this narrative and, and here's here's the way they here's the way they describe any suggested spending cuts. Quote, their demands include cutting K through twelve education, funding for high poverty schools by eighty percent, slashing funding for clean drinking water, nutrition assistance, cancer research. I mean they just they paint this picture which is completely false that they gotta have every single dime and then some for those causes. We're stepping aside for a break at Carter Jewelers. When we return, it's Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for.
Welcome back, folks. We are live today at Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. We welcome to the program now the owner of Carter Jewelers, Mr. Jerry Lake. All right, Jerry, looks like you've had a brisk morning sales-wise uh, thus far. you got to be excited about that. Parking lot's full of cars, lots of people in here working with your team, making their selections, and you got plenty of inventory to choose from. That's what people want to see. Uh, yeah, beautiful day. It's... Uh I think uh, at this sale, I'm well. I'm under contract to sell my store here in Jackson and the one in Vicksburg, and uh, the, uh, the 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 contract does not include the inventory, and I am liquidating uh, all the inventory at both stores, and we the prices have been marked down unbelievably. Uh, I. Ninety-nine percent of everything in here, I cannot at current gold and diamond prices, I cannot replace it for what we're selling it for. It's uh, it's really, it's one of the biggest selections, and I would say, I I think the biggest selection in the region. This this will probably end up being the biggest uh, fine jewelry sale. <laughs> I, I've only been around for about. 49 years but I it's it's a this is going to be a great sale and uh, people seem to be loving it I was just waiting on a lady over there and sold a beautiful uh, pendant and she would have paid more for just the chain than the whole pendant she was getting so I mean it's uh it's it's uh, it's a great sale I and I, I know this is a statewide broadcast uh, you know I I think that uh we probably carry we probably carry as much inventory as you know 10 or 20 normal type jewelry businesses we're a regional store and it's uh if you hadn't been in i mean it's uh the selection is incredible our prices ordinarily are are unbeatable and uh but then when you where everything in here is marked at least half off or more of those prices it can really get to be exciting uh, so I think, I think wherever you are within this broadcast, if you have an interest in uh, in any, any kind of fine jewelry, uh, it, it it'd be worth your time to come see us. We're two blocks from the Capitol downtown uh, in Jackson on High Street, and the Pemberton Plaza over in Vicksburg. We you know we're still offering. We have financing available. Uh, this will be some of the prettiest, best-made jewelry ever ever in the jewelry industry uh so many of these styles are are styles that i personally uh design and and when on the halos came out I, I went to the best brands and every one of them there was things about them that i didn't like that wasn't good enough and i i designed pieces where you know they're the the quality of the workmanship uh the duration of the pieces the beauty Having just enough room for you know light to come in and refract off the diamonds, and and I I use the diamonds that I I have selected to send to the what the the manufacturers I I use or I know of the are are some if not the very best in the world. My main one is one they won more awards for excellence than, than any anybody in 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 the industry. So it's uh let me tell you. It's phenomenally gorgeous, well-made jewelry at prices uh, 
I, I don't think you're ever going to see in most people's lifetime. It's, uh, and we're we've got we have a lot of it. Uh, like I think I told you a minute ago, both stores I'm under contract to sell, but it does not include the inventories. And uh, I think it's in my interest and and uh, our customers that we try to make a deal on this uh, uh, on this jewelry. When do you uh, expect the transaction to be complete? Well, I, you know, if if we're able to sell an, enough, it it would be really. Ideally, around middle of January, uh, you know, a lot of times things can take longer than than you think, and sometimes they can go a lot faster. Sure. Uh, we we've been, you know, we just this sale just started, and we, I mean, we've already sold tons of jewelry. Just, I mean, and, and but you look around the store, and and we still, you know, you can. You can take fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff out of here, and you can't even tell that there's anything missing. Hmm. You know, it's just a, it's a. I, I, I carry a, just an insane amount of inventory. It's kind of, kind of foolish on my part, I think, to carry that much. But that's just what I've done. The, the, and the new owners, they'll be able. To, they're going to maintain the store with the uh, lesser, newest, best-selling inventories and way, way less uh, dollars tied up, like what I've got. But it, it'll be that'll be good also. But right now, this is uh, this this is the most phenomenal, probably best sale ever to I've ever known in the region. You know, I know that the people that I rep, I represented the yeah the, the, the we were the biggest uh, liquidator to find jewelry in in the country, if not the world. We wow. we did like service merchandise and all the all the biggest deals. But uh, you. Never in any of those it, did we have deals like what they're getting right here. All right. And we'll I'm, talk to you in the next hour. All right. Okay. Right, Gerard, Jerry Lake, thank owner you. Carter Jewelers. Right. Coming right back, folks. Stay with us. And look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. The afternoon portion of the program is now live on this Black Friday, y'all. We've got Natasha Serdach, co-host of America's Roundtable Radio program and co-founder of International Leaders Summit. Natasha, how's it going today? I'm going good. Thank you, Jerry, for having me on. You bet. So we wanted to uh, get you on to tell us about the latest in this uh, ceasefire situation. I was just talking in the last segment before we went to break at the top of the hour. It appears that some hostages have, in fact, uh, looks like a couple of dozen have been released. Um, that includes both Thai nationals and Israelis. They were released from captivity today. And this is according to the Egyptian and Qatari governments. What do you hear and what do you know? Right. As you said, this is the first day of the four-day ceasefire agreement between Israel and Hamas, and it is holding up as agreed. So 
Uh, 24 hostages were free today. Among them, there are 13 Israeli hostages and 11 hostages from Thailand. Actually, 10 hostages from Thailand, one from Philippines. Uh, there are no American hostages released today, uh, but uh, it is actually it is in, in, in agreement that uh, 13 Israeli hostages, women and children, will be exchanged for 39 Palestinian prisoners daily, which will continue during the four days of this temporary ceasefire. Uh, so okay. over these four days, Hamas is expected to release 50 Israeli hostages, including three Americans, in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners from Israel's jails. And you can notice the ratio of one to three. So for every Israeli hostage released, there will be three Palestinian prisoners released. Okay. And Israel also agreed to add an additional day of ceasefire for every additional batch of 10 uh, new female or child hostages released on top of this original 50 that is agreed on. Hmm. Okay, so um, I, I guess I'm pleased to know that at least thus far uh, we, we are seeing actual hostages being released. My fear, Natasha, because we just had limited information, is that um, uh, since they were taken captive that maybe they didn't survive that uh, Hamas just executed him. Um, but since we are seeing them being released, I mean, there there is uh, empirical evidence of that. i, I got to believe that's being received by Israel as somewhat positive news, or do you think they knew before they negotiated this deal that, hey, these hostages are still alive? Right. So, it's, you know, what is not known, that we are talking about some 240 hostages altogether. Yeah. And most of them have been held captive by Hamas. But there's also Islamic Jihad group in, Hamas, in, in Gaza. And then there's also mention of other groups that may be holding some hostages. So, you know, we do not know where all these 240 hostages are. Yeah. And on the other side, they're keeping these negotiations uh, very secretive because they need to do it so because... Any negotiation where the details could come out uh, could actually derail the process of releasing the hostages. So I'm not sure, you know, we're going to be obviously seeing and hearing more about it. But, for example, today we know that, like, within last uh, 30 minutes, they released for the first time the names of the hostages that will be released, actually are released because they already are on Israel's territory. And among them, you can, you can see, I mean, children, the ages of two, four, five years old, nine years old, and also elderly among these 13 first batch of hostages released. So, I mean, the trauma that these children went through and, you know, how they are going to, you know, tra transition to a no normalcy. I mean, we're going to see how much, uh, you know, difficult time is expected, I mean, for these young, young, young children. Yeah, it's um, incredibly sad. You're so right. Uh, unthinkable trauma. And in fact, it's my understanding that at least one of the children who, who was held hostage, which has been released, actually witnessed the slaying of their parents by Hamas. Right. And and there's a, there's a heart-wrenching story that we will hear more about in days to come. 
um, of Abigail. Uh, she's a little girl who is uh, four years today. She has a birthday today. And we, we were, uh, many were expected, expecting to see her name on the list, but she's not on the list. And she's also a dual citizen. She's a Jewish American. And, um, I mean, she actually escaped at the moment when in front of her, her mom was first killed, murdered. And then her father was holding her in his, in his arms when he was killed. So she ran away to her, uh, to her uh, neighbors. And after that, they were all kidnapped. And her siblings that were eight and ten, two boys, actually were were hidden in a closet for fourteen hours before they were rescued. And so this is a, this is you know everyone was following the story of her and you know seeing the pictures of four year old Abigail celebrating fourth birthday. She was supposed to celebrate her birthday with the family today. She is not on the list. So we, we know we hope that this next batch. I mean, they're already saying that they will be releasing the names of the next uh, next group of hostages for tomorrow, um, and we'll see if also Abigail will be released among the next uh, uh, in the next three days. So who who's making the call, uh, Natasha? Is it Hamas, the folks who have have detained and held these Israelis hostage? Are they the ones making the call as to who gets released? Right. It's actually it's not it's not clear completely because the negotiations are, are are kept between the I mean leadership that is partly in Doha uh, some uh, then between between actually um, uh, Doha Egypt Israel and the U.S. and the, the final decision as as we see is is actually made by. Uh, Hamas on the ground uh, when, when it comes to more to the logistical details. So I'm not sure whether not just logistical details, but the names are decided by Hamas on the ground, or this is part of this larger negotiation process that is going between uh, Qatari, Egyptian, U.S. and Israel uh, leaders. So we're not sure, but we just know that among the released 50 that are planned to be released within four days, if ceasefires hold, will be just women and children. Yeah. And three, among them, just three Americans. Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, because this obviously is not going to amount, based on the terms of this deal, this isn't going to get all 240 that are believed to be held hostage released. We'll still have some. Right. No. Uh, based based on the current agreement, uh, the 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 greatest number of hostages that can be released would be if they agree on additional day of ceasefire, which would bring it up to nine days from current four, in which yeah. these five additional days would result in ten hostages released per day. So additional fifty hostages. In, in that case, they would be all together some hundred hostages out of 240 hostages released. So it's really uncertain, you know, when... And, and the, the, the risk that this all brings is that, you know, the ceasefire allows Hamas to regroup, to rearm, to actually strengthen their positions and to put more ambush in place, which will hurt Israeli soldiers. So the risk yep. is that we will see more Israeli soldiers killed, injured, uh, just harmed. 
uh, with this uh, prolonged uh, ceasefire. And Israel has vowed, uh, they've pledged that uh, they're going to continue and resume uh, pursuit of uh, Hamas um, after the hostage situation is uh, resolved and, and they've got these four days are complete uh, with the ceasefire. They say they're going to go back at it. Right. I mean, they committed. They're committed to achieve. Their goal is to destruct, I mean, the destruction of Hamas, to eliminate Hamas and to yep. return all the hostages, you know, which is very difficult to do because the risk is so high uh, yep. with, mili- with military incursion. Yeah. Just unbelievable. And then uh, we got to go, but then the Biden administration, uh, I'm starting to hear uh, more buzz about uh, folks in the Democrat Party pushing the Biden administration to call for a complete ceasefire and just keep this permanent. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Israel is pretty committed to taking further action against Hamas to make sure they're not a problem going forward. Natasha, always a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate you calling in and sharing your insights. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Gerard. Thank you. Talk to you later. We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well studio at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Now, when I say stop, don't you move a page. When I say go, just uh, shake your leg and do the mess around. I declare, do the mess around. Yeah, do the mess around. Everybody's doing the mess around. Huge, huge news, huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday. Super Talk Mississippi live downtown Jackson. Carter Jewelers today. It is a Black Friday, as Rhino has eloquently pointed out at the top of our hour. So I have uh, seen that economists are (laughs) projecting that uh, Americans will spend on an average of $825 in shopping for gifts, Christmas gifts, Christmas right around the corner here, hard to believe, 825. Now, much of that, of course, is just being put on the old credit card, credit card debt at a record of $1.03 trillion. But here's the thing, credit card interest rates, interest rates, the organization lending tree, started tracking credit card interest rates in 2019. And uh, they say that the present average credit card rates, interest rates, the APRs, are at an an all-time high during the period 2019 when they started tracking this information until today. In America, it's 24.56%. 24.56%. If um, you're looking for a new credit card, they also have a chart showing what the minimum and the maximum is. The minimum, of course, 
and the maximum and the range in between is based on one's credit scores. If you have high credit scores, you would get the lower, the minimum APR. If your credit score is lower, meaning your credit isn't as trustworthy, as, as stable, then you're going to pay the higher interest rates. That's how it works. I know the left hates that, don't they, Rhino? They, they hate that, oh, merit may figure in it. Your performance, your behavior may actually dictate economic outcomes. Say it ain't so. can't be based on that. It's got to be based on something much more meaningful like your race or your zip code. Well, 21.13% at the minimum. At the maximum, for just a standard new car, 27.98%. And then they get into no annual fee cards, rewards cards, cashback cards, travel rewards cards, airline credit cards, hotel credit cards, zero balance transfer credit cards. It's unbelievable, all the various categories of credit cards. But uh, the bottom line is that credit card interest rates are up. And uh, so folks are going to be spending money uh, during the Christmas holiday shopping season, shopping for gifts, $825 on average of those buying gifts. But much of that will be tacked on to existing credit card balances. This is something to be concerned about, I believe. We shall see. I was talking earlier about old Robert Reich, as Rush used to say that, uh, of course, blames inflation on corporate greed. They just charge too much money. Well, don't buy it then. You don't like what they charge? Don't buy it. I just don't get it. What? So, of course, his idea of how to address this is for the government to step in, assert control of the entire economy. We'll, we'll dictate what they buy, who they buy it from, at what price, and what they sell, and at what price, who they hire, what they'll pay them. They just want to control it all. That is a socialism. That is blatant socialism, defined to a T. Mr. Reich believes he and his Democrat cronies can manage a $23 trillion economy. It's just unbelievable. But what's really disturbing is when you look at posts like that, which are so nonsensical and illustrates such a, a lack of understanding of basic economics, so certainly a market-driven economy, is when you look at the comments, because these are just average people, and they've totally bought into all this crap. This one person here says, the two most mentioned words at every corporate shareholders board meeting and always biggest concern is, in quotes, profit margin. Oh, the humanity. The pursuit of profit. It's just unbelievable. So what do you think that Nick Saban talks to his football team? Pick any coach of any sport. Do they go in there and say, hey, look, folks, don't, don't win today. Let somebody else win. Be charitable. Don't try your best. Don't try to excel. We don't need any of that today. Just lay down let the other team win. Are they crazy? That's literally what they think. Is that not the same? Could you not equate that? 
in the classroom. Hey, don't don't work too hard on this test today. Don't try your hardest. Don't don't make an A. Come on, in the name of equity. It's just unbelievable that somehow profit margin, profit margin. Well, guess how you produce profit margin? By generating value for society. It's real simple. You produce value, then you'll produce a profit. You get rewarded with it. Just incredible that that is just lost on uh, so many in this country. It's disturbing. And folks like Reich have a long line of, of uh, zealots, socialist zealots and activists that are teaching our kids this nonsense. And, and it, uh, they don't get the other side. They don't really get exposed to, oh, see, here's how it works. No profit, no company. No company, no jobs. No company, no goods and services to conduct your life. It's just incredible. Oh, you shouldn't be making a profit on that. Unbelievable. One cannot suppress wages below inf inflation forever. That is okay, and it's part of the problem. Another part is war cost, a bunch of no return on it like we get from an investment. Would help if the top income was not provided to tax dodges. Poorly worded. I read it verbatim, by the way. Uh, just incredible. But that's what people think, and uh, they, they buy into all that nonsense that's being spewed by the likes of Robert Reich, and it's, it concerns me. It should concern everybody because that's how we come out with these complicit little Marxists <laughs> out of college, out of school, that, uh, again, have bought into that nonsense, do not feel like they need to work, that the world owes them everything on a silver platter and then some without any effort whatsoever. And they, and they have already got the mindset that the, the system is rigged, the country is wicked and evil, and they're, they're just oppressed, and anybody that's achieved any economic means is an, op an oppressor. And they just mire in that, that narrative. And, of course, they end up just being losers as a result. Gary in the Berg says, Bumper Music requests theme song from the C Steve Sloan Coaches show when he was at Ole Miss. I don't remember what that was. And I was at Ole Miss when he was a coach. Gary, enlighten me. I don't remember that. I do remember huddling around the television on Sundays to watch all the various coaches' shows when I was in college. That's the only way you could get a lot of information uh, about uh, the, the previous day's slate of games. You had to tune into the coaches' shows to see what they had to say, see the highlights. You didn't have all the media we enjoy today that uh, is immediate, honestly, and constant talking about that. We were talking earlier about this uh, this budget. I'm going to call it a crisis. Thirty-three trillion dollars of debt and two trillion of deficits. I consider a crisis. And again, the left in this country says, "Well, the problem is we just don't tax enough. We got to go collect more taxes." Just incredible. Um, federal spending in in 23 was 23 percent of gross domestic product revenue was just 16% of GDP, and of course that produced a giant deficit. And these are worse than average over the last three decades in terms of revenues and 
spending as a percent of GDP. It just means the government's crowding out the private sector. It's really what it means. The last time, by the way, the government attempted such a commission to study the, our debt, our fiscal situation, and make some actionable, concrete recommendations was in 2010. I remember this. 18-member panel was led by former White House Chief of Staff Erskine Bowles and former Senator Alan Simpson to suggest reforms. I think it was called the Bowles-Simpson uh, proposal or something to that effect, the plan. But no action was ever taken on it. None. Only 11 members, by the way, of the 18 voted in favor of the plan, which would have in included some significant spending cuts with a few new taxes. We're stepping aside for a break. We're at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Stay with us. Breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays from Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. We are live today. The Element Well Studio relocated to Carter Jewelers in the store here for today. Uh, so, Rhino, did you encounter any frolicking deer along your travels early this morning? Uh, very few frolicking deer. I saw several dozen deer on the way down, and it's like, wow, the hunters are not going to be happy that I'm seeing all of y'all where they can't be hunted. <laughs> but they were mostly in the tree lines. The, the few that frolicked across the road this morning gave me a bit of a fright because there was a group of three of them that I was able to slow down for, and they made their way across the road. And then just to, just as I start to pick up speed again, here comes number four, bringing up the rear, out of the trees, and just right in front of me. Oh, man, that's, that's always uh, kind of a heart stopper. And, and when you're you know on a two-lane road in particular, and the tree line is pretty close to the side of the road, you just can't see them. You can't anticipate it. Uh, they're just kind of hanging out in there. Then all of a sudden, boom! They zip across and take, and you you can't react. I've I've had two, knock on wood, because it's only two strikes in the last two years on the same road, almost at the same place, and it that was the circumstance. So they are out and about. The population is uh, expanded somewhat, has it not? Um, our entire wildlife and fisheries folks allowing us to harvest more this year. I think the limit. If there is such a thing, it's been increased. I'm not a deer hunter, so unfortunately I can't speak too, um, too, too much about that. Isn't that the truth? I saw something about that. You can, you can kill more this year than you have in the past. Or, or maybe uh, some, something's changed. Something's different because we're trying to thin out the herd. And there's no doubt. They're all over the place. I think I told you, I'm, I'm uh, fighting the armadillo around my house that uh, are burrowing around the yard and uh, I, I caught one the other night when I came up the driveway was was uh, they, they get in the edge of the turf between the turf and like a bed and uh, they just burrow and 
and of course uh, rearrange all the straw in that area. And and my landscape guy says it's it's because kept the the, the lawn and the beds somewhat irrigated, more so than areas that weren't during the drought period, and and thus the the grubs, the worms survived, and that's what they're hunting for. Um, so we we put some stuff out that's supposed to repel them that they don't like and they'll stay away hopefully and want to come stick their nose all over the place in my yard but they're out and about uh quite a bit uh, for sure i just double checked and yeah. apparently the uh folks at mississippi department of wildlife fisheries and parks have gotten several questions clear and they need to clarify the confusion surrounding the deer bag limits for the 2023-2024 season the the very first line of the press release from October 6th of this year, MDWFP has not increased the bag limit on white-tailed deer. Okay. But they are they are pointing out that this year our state is seeing a record high in deer population, and that number will continue to increase if harvests continue to decrease. And they're saying on average, hunter harvests a uh, hunter harvests less than two deer annually on average. So they're encouraging hunters to utilize their full bag limit, which is still one buck per day, three per annual season. And then for antlerless deer, the bag limit is five, unless you're on private lands in the north central DMU, which it's 10 antlerless deer per season. But antlerless deer are male or female deer, which don't have hardened antlers above the natural hairline, and only two antlerless deer may be harvested from the southeast unit okay appreciate that clarification i can see where there'd be some confusion on that so the core problem is not the limit it's that the hunters aren't able to achieve the limit Correct. and thus we're not thinning the herd so the limit's fine we just need people to to uh i guess i guess harvest to the limit but you did say that uh, wildlife fishery says that the population is increased and going to continue to increase if the hunters don't harvest to the limit. Is that did I say that right? State Correct. that correctly? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we just need those wily hunters. Sounds to me like that uh, the deer are outsmarting the hunters, <laughs> which is what they're pretty good at. Um, we just need to get them. I tell you what, come to my house. They're all over the dang place. Uh, as they they are in numerous neighborhoods. I mean, they're, they've and, and you wonder if the drought hadn't pushed them more than usual out of the woods and on the properties and so forth. Uh, inhabited properties could be. Uh, not sure how that all that works, but certainly with respect to the armadillo and the raccoons, that's what my landscape guy says. He's seen it all over the place. It's because they're, I guess they uh, they consume grubs as part of their diet and. And they're looking for them, and and in the in the dry, in the drought stricken, stricken areas that they typically feed on them, they didn't survive it, and um, or they didn't reproduce perhaps, and they they found the softer ground so forth to do so. But they're they're menaces to, to plants and yards. I know that. I I don't really want to kill them. I just want them to go somewhere else if that's possible. We'll we'll um, we'll keep working on that. We were talking earlier about the record credit card debt, over a trillion dollars. It's incredible to even think about that amount of debt Americans have charged to the old plastic cards. And the expectation is that that 
uh, figure will increase throughout the holiday shopping period as Americans take to the stores or online, etc., to make their purchases. One thing that's not clear is what the future of the Fed's interest rate policy is going to be. Just published uh, yesterday, uh, or actually this morning, an article about the central bank bankers and and market practitioners who have just been wrong about uh, the the approach on interest rates. Lower for longer was kind of the mantra uh, until a few years ago, and now it's higher for longer. And now we're looking at well, lower slightly sooner than expected. So it's just another example of why economists have to have two hands because there's always an opinion, and then there's always a but. On the other hand, it could go in this direction. So. Um, really incredible to see where all that's going to go uh, and, and how the central bankers will manage the benchmark interest rates. Of course, the, those interest rates can figure into the, uh, the financing of large purchases such as a home, uh, a vehicle, etc. And uh, the average price of a home now at a record to over $400,000 in this country. Many Americans have been totally priced out of the housing market because they can't afford a house in the, at the interest rates that um, they're able to uh, get to finance the house. So that's causing a big old problem. The housing sales and starts, mortgages originated down. That figure is plummeting. I, I Honestly, I feel like that we're likely not going to have a severe recession, but I think in the next six months we're likely to see the lagging impact of the Fed's interest rate hiking campaign. Now, the Biden administration is running around telling Americans that uh, he, has, he has caused inflation to retreat. And in fact, you know, this fool we talked about earlier, Rhino, that, uh, that trolls me out there on Twitter. He actually said something about that. He wanted to know when I was going to praise the president for the, uh, the, the retreat of prices. And what this person, of course, is wrong about is prices haven't retreated. They have just, overall, it's just that the rate of increase has slowed somewhat. There's a clear distinction. I know that may be over this individual's heads, but um, yeah, they they asked uh, this person said, "How about asking Paul and and Mr. Gibbard if they're going to give the president credit credit for what?" He says, "After all, they like most other conservatives held President Biden 100% responsible for the price increases. Stands to reason he'd also be 100% responsible for the decreases. Except that's not actually what's happened. Overall, the uh, cost of living has risen significantly. I don't think that person Mr. understands what the phrase stands to reason means. <laughs> that's a good point. Pro probably not. I don't think the part sure. of their brain that reasons is functioning, and it doesn't seem like it has for a very long time. I think that's absolutely spot on. But this concept of uh, the rate of increase declining versus a, a full pullback or an absolute pullback in dollars and cents 
is over their head. Now, it is true that volatile energy prices, it is true the price of gas is lower right now than it was this time last year, but still higher than it was when Mr. Biden took office. Thus, the net of that is the price has gone up since he's been in office. And everybody that's shopping at the grocery store or out buying Christmas gifts is experiencing the same. And all that happens since he's been in office, which is why Donald Trump's leading him in the polls considerably. We're stepping aside for a break at Carter Jewelers. Jerry Lake, the owner, coming on next. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s, Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. It's Friday, Friday, I'm free again. I got my motor running for a wild weekend. It's Friday, Friday, I'm out of control. Forget the work and blues and let the good time roll. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday. Final segment on this. Black Friday, Black Friday. There you go. We are at uh, Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. A little tidbit of data I want to pass on before we get to Mr. Lake here is a question about PERS. The annual PERS payroll, by the way, the benefit payroll, sits at about $3 billion, just over $3 billion. And of that $3 billion, $2.1 billion and change is the basic service benefit, and $825 million, roughly, is the cost of living adjustment, the so-called 13th check. So $2.1 billion, the base benefit, $825 million, the uh, cost of living adjustment, total of $3 billion. All right, Mr. Jerry Lake, who has informed us that uh, he's under contract to sell... Carter Jewelers, which uh, you've got some photos over here on the wall, Mr. Lake, that uh, features the original Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson from the 1800s. Is that correct? When was it from? Uh, those pictures, I can tell you, were taken in uh, in the year 1918. Okay, that's uh, what I'm confused about. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, that was the year that uh, uh, John Von Suter, uh, he passed away in... in uh, 17 or 18 and and anyway he was the uh, he was the general manager of the store and uh, uh, Von Suter's family sold it to John Carter okay. in, in 1918 and he kept the same location and the staff and everything else and uh, those pictures were taken uh, right that's that's right after he changed the name from uh, from uh, John Von Suter Jewelers to John Carter Jewelers, and then it was shortened just to Carter Jewelers. Gotcha. So is it going to remain Carter Jewelers? It will It will remain Carter Jewelers. I was the fourth owner of Carter Jewelers, and okay. and uh, my son here, will, he's he will be the next owner of Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson, and my general manager who's worked for me over 30 years, uh, Ginger Richards, she'll, she'll be the next owner of Carter Jewelers in Vicksburg. Okay. And so, uh, and anyway, I'm, uh, yeah, we're under contract to sell. It does not include the jewelry, the inventory. I am, uh, it's my responsibility to liquidate and sell off every piece of jewelry here. They, they will reopen with all brand new fresh jewelry, but it's, uh, in the meantime, the, the biggest, uh, 
jewelry inventory, I, I think, in the region and I'm sure in the state, uh, we're, I'm liquidating. It's We probably carry more than your average 10, 20, 30 jewelers. I mean, we're regional. It's, uh, it's an insane amount of jewelry that we're selling. I have prices marked down. 99% of everything in the store, if I had to go to reorder it, I can't. I can't reorder it for what we're selling it for. Some of these prices are like less than half of what it would cost me to reorder. And we got price points. You know, we, we got gorgeous stuff marked down to like $50, $100. You know, things are marked down. If it's got a little, little time on it or something, it's been marked down 90%, <coughs> which is, you know, and that's, uh, I'm taking huge, huge losses on that. But, you know, everything's got to be sold. And uh, it's uh, when you have this much uh, diamond and fine jewelry to sell, you you know you uh, you you price it for really fast sale. And uh, and you know we we can sell fifty, hundred thousand dollars out of here in a day, and you can't even hardly tell anything's been sold. You know that's the kind of that's the magnitude of of how much jewelry we've got. Wow. And if you have an interest in in a piece of jewelry, you know, and so many of you out there, you know, you, you may owe yourself or somebody a piece of fine jewelry and you you may have thought i'd never be able to afford it you, you ought to come into this sale you you're uh you're 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 likely to find something that you love uh let me tell you this is some of the prettiest best made jewelry in the world at liquidation prices and I'm better off, you're better off, if we can make a deal on this jewelry over the counter versus me at the end, you know, going to the secondary market or selling to the liquidators. I mean, it's, uh, and and with gold over $2,000 an ounce, I mean, the, these, these, I'm telling you, this is some of the best deals in the world on fine diamond jewelry at incredible prices. Uh, and and I want to tell you, with gold over two thousand, some of this stuff I can you know I can melt for more than what I'm selling it for. <laughs> so it's uh, it's let me tell you, some great deals. You ought to come in and take a look. It's uh, and you know what, we're still wrapping it up and and making it real pretty for Christmas. And and you should you know come shop for yourself. You know where where else are you ever ever gonna get uh, deals on uh, a, a good piece of jewelry? Something so, that maintains its it, value forever. Well, I mean, it's going to have value. I, I'm, I will tell you that it, it's, it's the only thing I know of historically that has gone way up in value, and that's gold and gotcha. diamond product. You know, it's uh, anyway. Right. Come see us, Carter Jewelers. We're downtown Jackson and and uh, Vicksburg at the Pemberton Plaza. We're out of time today, folks. We'll be back with you Monday. Until then, have a great weekend. Stay safe and God bless. Hey, I'm Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.